Welcome back to the week 10 episode of the Throne League podcast. Uh, Johnny, it's uh, great to be back. How are you doing today? It's going to be a shorter episode, we predict, but uh, it's still going to have a lot of fun. Johnny, how are you doing? I'm doing quite well. And, you know, it is going to be a bit of a shorter episode. We don't have um, a podcast guest today. But, you know, as we're working our way uh, into the latter half of the season, I don't know that these episodes necessarily need to be as long. I think we found out a lot of the information that we're going to find out in terms of who uh which players which teams are going to help guys get into the fantasy football playoffs and or the real life nfl playoffs uh, obviously i was talking to you before the podcast jacob a little bit down uh two straight losses will do that to you in fantasy but um you know this upcoming week week 11 brings a fresh opportunity to get back into the one column which i'll need to do in a major way sit in a, just a bit of a different position than you you're in a pretty strong spot um but what about you how are you doing I'm doing good. My team kind of had a reassuring victory or they, they kind of brought me back to life. I was getting a little nervous. They weren't putting up the best performances, but, you know, top score of the week. I stayed in the gauntlet. We'll talk about the the final matchup later in the episode here. Um, we're going to have Jack on next week to kind of break it down, see who wins it. And uh, I think that'll be fun. But yeah, um, yeah, my team performed really well. Jefferson had one of the best catches I've ever seen. So yeah, I really enjoyed uh, kind of sitting back because I, I thought I was dead in the water early, but that uh, final drive by Minnesota and then going into OT kind of helped me out there. So it was good for me. I'm pretty much locked for the playoffs. I got that 99%. So I'm just trying to uh, lock up the uh, the buy and uh, trying to make a deep run. But yeah, hey, you got anything else? Yeah, the well, the playoff picture definitely got a lot clearer after this week. Obviously, we still have ways to go, and there will be some jacking position for position. It seems like you with eight wins and Jack with seven wins are probably going to be heading. I can't do all the math off the top of my head. You have three teams at six wins. Seems like they're in a pretty good spot as long as they don't uh, completely blow it. Um, and then that's where it would get a little more interesting. Got two teams at five wins and three teams at four wins so there could be a bit of jockeying position um for there depending actually there's a direct matchup as i look at the standings here uh joe sits at five and five i sit at four and six we do play each other this week so there could be some jockeying for position there i've said the word jockeying for position like five times and in less than a minute, but it is true. I mean, as I said, it seems like the top two sw- top two spots are locked in. The rest of the way could move around a little bit. A couple of those six-win teams should be on their way to the playoffs, so that might just leave um, a couple of spots potentially up for grabs. Um, Jacob, what do you make of the playoff picture as it's kind of becoming a little more clear after 10 weeks? Yeah, it's kind of shown like who's been the consistent teams. Obviously, that's how the records work, but you know, the teams that have been like of the top scorers are are all sitting there in the in good playoff positions. So it kind of gives you the tell there. And you know, I you know I could easily sl- slide out of a, a a buy spot. You know, there's you know Scott's team's really good. He had a down week. Jake team, Stino teams, both really good. So they definitely have chances of taking those buys from me and Jack going forward. But you know, I, I like my chances a lot, and it, it's it's going to be interesting who kind of sneaks in and grabs that last spot or who if they can overtake one of those six and four teams uh going forward but hey at, nobody's officially out of it yet i don't think so so it's yeah. gonna be cool to see how everything goes nutter might be out of it at two and eight but he can he can kind of find a, a better spot so he doesn't have to go through the entire 
Sacco uh, competition there. We'll see how it goes. We have certainly learned one thing, and that is that fantasy football can be quite unpredictable. People who start off hot can cool down quickly. People who started off cold as ice um, can heat up quickly. Um, and uh, that kind of brings me actually to the, the Week 10 breakdown for this week. These are the games that have helped us sort of clarify this playoff picture a little bit. One of those teams, and I don't have his official number right in front of me here, but one of those teams that has been heating up um, at the right time. I don't see where the fuck it honestly says it, Jacob. I'm looking for how many wins in a row. Okay, there it is, too. So, um, and people keep changing their t- team names, which is a thing that people love to do. So, uh, the first matchup we're going to take a look at this week, uh, Caden, now known as Team Platzbecker, which is just a little bit confusing, picked up a solid <laughs> win, 138.7 over my team, 92.3. Caden's second win in a row and second uh, high point outing. Um, really that waiver addition of Justin Fields has made a huge difference. Uh, Terry McLaurin strong after the trade and, you know, James Connors kind of getting back to those touchdown ways, you know, still pretty heavily dependent on touchdowns and without Kyler being there, probably gave him a few more opportunities in the red zone. But, um, you know, Cadence pulled himself up out of what was a tough spot and now all of a sudden, you know, is looking to vie for one of those final playoff spots. The next matchup we're going to take a look at, uh, a high-powered matchup, two teams with solid records. Jack took down Jake, 121 uh, flat to 98.8, pushes Jack to that 7-3 and record. Uh, he sits above, you know, that heap of six-win teams sort of in the middle of the playoffs there. Next up, we got Joe taking down uh, Bryce, 117.3 to 100.5. Bryce has been on quite a bit of a slide recently. Trying to make a few trades to bail himself out hasn't seemed to be enough. But at three and seven, he's not entirely out of it yet. CeeDee Lamb put up a uh, huge performance in that one, but it wasn't enough um, to beat that dynamic duo of Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen for uh, Joe. And also Tony Pollard, man. When Tony Pollard's given the rock as the starter, he delivers. That was the case once again this week. Next up. Uh, See, this is where I already get to, I don't come back Kirk. Okay, so that's got to be Stino because he has Kirk on the team. Um, took down Scott in a close matchup, more of a low-scoring affair than might have been originally expected. 90.3 to 85.6, cooled down Scott a little bit after a couple of hot weeks and uh, put Stino firmly in the playoff picture. Next up, Brian uh, edged out Aiden in one of the closest matchups you'll ever see, 89 flat to 88.6, a true heartbreaker if there ever was one. Um, and this was, you know, two guys coming in with uh, the same record. You know, Brian advances to 5-5 five and five with the win, Aiden drops to 4-6. and six. Both are still firmly in playoff contention, but that might be a matchup Aiden looks back at if he ends up being... Um, on the outside looking in or vice versa if Brian makes it in he might look back at that matchup and say man that was an important one to bring home um, and a part of that for Brian was the reemergence of Jonathan Taylor everybody was quick to judge the uh, Jeff Saturday led Colts that came out scored a big win and a lot of those playmakers got back to their playmaking ways Jonathan Taylor was chief among those and then the final matchup for this week Jacob mentioned earlier you were the highest score of the week that's enough you know just mathematically that would mean that you win your matchup you did win this one against Nutter 141.1 to 122.3 as you mentioned Justin Jefferson was key um, you know but a really strong performance from Christian Kirk for Nutter's team uh, almost brought him into this matchup but just not enough to overcome uh, what was a good offensive output from your team this week Jacob uh, any special notes on the matches from this week yeah um, you know there's 
you know, Scott's team took a big hit. You know, he had key members on by, so, you know, it couldn't push him through the gauntlet there. Uh, feel bad for Nutter. Uh, he, it looked like he was going to kill me after the 1 o'clock window, but, you know, somehow my team pulled through. Um, so that felt good. But, yeah, we had, like, a couple high, super high scores, and then, you know, I feel like a lot of people had some dud weeks. But, you know... There, there's been it's been an up and down roller coaster with these scorings throughout this year, so we'll we'll just keep seeing uh, this these changes uh, as we keep moving along in the season. But yeah, you know, I enjoyed it. High score, it always feels good to get that under your belt. I think that's my third time this year, so um, it felt good, and you know, my team looked great. You know, and you mentioned the scores have dipped up and down. I do think that that is firmly representative of the kind of season it's been in the NFL. Um, we've seen we've seen teams get hot. We've seen teams look unbeatable, and then by the next week, they look like they've come back down to earth and they're completely beatable. Um, that uh, chief among them this week, the Eagles go down. They lose their undefeated record. Uh, to the Washington Commanders, who, you know, I can't remember the specific year, but the Pittsburgh Steelers, I believe, were 11-0 going into a, I want to say it was a Thursday night, but I could be wrong. They were playing a matchup. It was, at the time, they might have been the Redskins still, versus the Steelers, and uh, it was an upset. But a lot of people said that Pittsburgh was a bullshit 11-0 team anyway, and that, that actually bore out to be the truth because they went on a big slide. I think that was the year where Chase Claypool made his like infamous meme comment, um, and then they... Then they, I don't, I can't remember what year it was, so I don't know what that, happened. They lost that in the playoffs. That was the year that, that year. we beat them. There yeah, you go. we beat them in the playoffs. Um, yeah, I think uh, Juju was dancing on the logos, and then once he started that, they started losing or something like. That. I think that was that year. Could could um, be, but so now maybe, Washington yeah. kind of has the penchant for for being the the kingslayer of sorts. I mean, two teams, uh, eight no or greater in the last handful of years. That's not a shabby record for a team that otherwise isn't very. Uh, well known for anything positive um but uh there, there is one other thing worth talking about jacob and this is a preview of sorts which is something that we've kind of gotten away from this year something that we did do last year but this is a special kind of preview um the gauntlet has thinned all the way down to the final two a winner will be crowned after this week um jacob you are one of the remaining two and alongside you will be jack two teams with the best records, so it kind of makes sense the way that that ultimately turned out. Um, so essentially what we're going to do here with this preview is just kind of take a look at both of your rosters that you're going to put forward this week, see if there's any um, injuries that could play effect, if there's any bye weeks that could play effect, and, and which players we think might give the edge one way or the other. Because um, this, honestly, looking at them early on here, could be a shootout to see who wins the gauntlet. It could be a high-scoring affair between the both of you to see um, who will be the gauntlet winner this year. So, Jacob, off the top, is there any players or any standout storylines you think might factor in this week? I, I think the thing we should start with is DK being on by. He's been a huge factor for Jack's team. He's kind of been a surprise this year. Not many people were high on DK coming into the draft because, um, you know, the whole situation. He's he's the number 15 wide receiver this year, and he's, he's put up some solid numbers. Uh, He's not like going to go out and win the matchup for uh, Jack, but he's put up a solid 13, 14, 17 in the past three games. He's put up a 20-point game, so he's still got that X factor, and he could kind of take over games. So him being out there is, is a key factor on Jack's team makes it interesting. 
Yeah, you do bring up a good point, Jacob. You know, we often might think, well, you know, a 35-point Justin Jefferson performance might make the difference, but ultimately it could just be which team puts out the more consistent performance throughout. You know, that's kind of been DK's story this year. He hasn't had many freakishly great games, but he's found some consistency, which was something that eluded him a bit early in his career, a little more touchdown dependent. Um, Still has a decent reliance on the touchdown, but he's been finding it pretty steady as Geno Smith has really come on as a big-time playmaker for that Seattle offense. Um, Now, as I look through these rosters, Jacob, I'm just looking at injury designations, and I know I mentioned this to you briefly earlier. We do see as is what I see right now is Justin Jefferson is labeled with questionable. It says he was a limited participant on Wednesday's practice due to a toe injury. Um, it seems like everything is trending in the direction that he'll play. Um, on the flip side, in Jack's starting lineup, A.J. Brown, who you briefed me on because I actually didn't catch the Monday Night Football game, but was banged up during that game. He was uh, limited with an ankle at Wednesday's practice. It seems like... Um, he should, he should be okay to play. So, I mean, but those are two huge playmakers. I mean, Justin Jefferson and AJ Brown are two of the very best of their position. Um, but it seems like they're both trending in the right direction. So you make the note, yeah, DK's not going to go, which does make a difference. So I think it's worth talking about the guy who's going to sub in for DK Metcalf and that's Paris Campbell. Um, who's, who's been a little hot and a little cold, um, which is a risky proposition, but that's also kind of the nature of the flex plays. Can you get a risky guy to come through? He's scored, Jacob, over 20 points twice this year, but he's scored under 10 points one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times this year. So let's actually, let's just do the correct math here. Three times of 18 or more points. And what did I say? One, two, three, four, five, and seven below 10. So you're definitely, I know that they used to, yeah, they do here. Fantasy has that like percentage where they say, is he a boomer or a bust? So versus the Eagles, which is a tough matchup for Paris Campbell, he has a 25% chance to bust, according to these player insights with Watson. Not Deshaun Watson, the pedophile, but uh, I guess he's not <laughs> pedophile, but a sexual predator. Uh, Watson, the uh, whatever the hell he is, some kind of AI. AI, yeah. Um, so that's a 25% chance that he will score... Uh, less than 4.6 points, and he has a 7% chance to boom, which is greater than 15.6 points. It feels like, Jacob, with the way this matchup shaping up, a bust from Paris Campbell would probably do some major damage to um, Jack's overall stake. But on your side of it, which player do you think that's maybe not super obvious but could make a difference if this thing comes down to just points separating you two? Yeah, I don't know. My team's, you know, Jefferson and Jones have been uh, kind of the two guys who've kind of gone off and won me some of my matchups, and and Hurts as well. Um, You know, I drafted Sutton and Pittman thinking that they would uh, outperform where they were drafted, which has not been the case. They've Sutton just came, was doing really bad. Um, But, you know, I I think if Pierce can hit the end zone, he's going to be the difference maker on my team because he's like, he's, he's, going to get 90 yards rushing um so if he can get in that end zone it could really boost the stats on my team it is interesting to uh to know because yeah i have liked pierce a lot he's had a little bit of difficulty finding the end zone as much as you'd like he, he's definitely a bona fide rb2 but we've seen him flash that rb1 upside but he just hasn't been able to find the end zone consistently enough but when i look through your 
lineup here, Jacob. Unfortunately, Cortland Sutton does seem to be the guy most likely to bust. Um, and of course, fantasy football is fantasy football. Not to jinx it, but Jefferson could have one catch for eight yards. It's possible. This stuff does happen. It's just not likely. But um, it's been an up and down year for Sutton. You look at his first one, two, three. His first five weeks were all double digits. Then he fell off the cliff. And he had three straight weeks of five points or less. Then he hits the bye, comes off the bye, and starting to look a little bit better. He gets back into double digits again. So... If we assume that they figured things out at the bye for Sutton, he has a pretty good matchup against Las Vegas, a team that he did catch a touchdown against earlier this season. I, I, that's what I think ultimately, Jacob, I look at when we're talking about who's going to win the gauntlet. You know, this is just scoring the most points purely. Is which team is going to have the essentially the largest albatross around their neck? So which team is going to have the guy they have to make up for the most, right? In Jack's case, it seems like that could be Paris Campbell just because he's kind of by his statistical nature a boomer bust player. For you, that cold streak hit by Sutton and the overall lack of performance of Denver um, overall, I think would be would be my biggest question marks. What, what do you think your biggest question marks would be for both teams? Yeah, I think you hit the nail right on the the head right there um, with with those two guys. Um, you know, Hawkinson. You know, uh, the Vikings are going up against Dallas this week, so um, Hawkinson has looked good in these two games that he's been in uh, a, a Vikings uniform. But you know, he's going up against what fantasy says is the sixth best tight defense against uh, tight ends. So that's a little concerning to me there. Hopefully, he can. Uh, be a, a third down guy that Kirk Cousins can find and and kind of pick up some points just through catches, which is what he's been able to do so far. So you know, obviously, everybody you want all your guys to hit the end zone. That's just instant points, but it's just not realistic that's going to happen. So um, yeah, I, Hawkinson. It, my th- my three concerns on my team are pretty obvious. It's it's Sutton, Hawkinson, and Pittman. But, um, you know, they, they performed well last week. They all put up double digits. So I'm just hoping that they can do something like that going into uh, this final. Well, as you reference Pittman, it is, you know, important to note, obviously, Paris Campbell is his running mate there in Indianapolis. So there could be that sort of vying for who's going to get the touchdown. Um, you would think, you know, Pittman, but, well, did Matt Ryan start for the Colts this past week? I believe he did. Yeah, yep. So that adds a little bit more stability to that receiving core with um, the kid in there. It was a little more volatile, but it, you know, if you look at an X factor for Jack, you talk about how you don't necessarily feel great about Hawkinson, and then you're going up against a Travis Kelsey, who is the fantasy tight end of the last whatever it's been six seven years he is just the guy and he draws a prime time matchup that's the other fun thing to look at in this matchup jacob is the timing of games who's going to have the last laugh and it looks like eight o'clock sunday is going to be you're going to have harrison butker up and he's going to have travis kelsey so it's probably going to be at least in your hopes jacob a situation where he has to play some catch up to get back into the game the good news for jack is travis kelsey's one hell of a player to rely on if you need some catch up i mean he is just simply ridiculous the other guy i did want to point out you talked about getting some touchdowns and how big that can help antonio gibson you know is slotted in as of right now um jack also does have brian robinson they both performed well last week fantasy wise 
Brian Robinson has really struggled to get efficient on the ground. He is had yet to have, I'm sorry, a single game of a four yards per carry, which is horrendous. So Antonio Gibson is certainly not out of that backfield. He commands the receiving volume and he's found the end zone a lot this year. He's found it five times um, in their first 10 games. So Gibson is easily a player where you talk about, you find the end zone, it makes his day. And if he doesn't, Jack could be looking at second place in the gauntlet. Jacob, do you have any final comments or predictions on how this gauntlet might round out this year? Yeah, I I had two things. Um, The quarterback matchup, I'd like to have your opinion on that. But I also wanted to talk about Dalvin Cook a little bit because, you know, he's kind of underperformed uh, in a sense as, you know, we talked about him earlier in the season. But, you know, he got... He had that 80-yard touchdown run uh, against Buffalo last week that really boosted his points there. If he didn't, if you take that play away, he wouldn't have uh, put up his 23 points. He wouldn't have been close to that at all. So, you know, if Dalvin Cook can perform and eat up some of the touchdowns from Jefferson, that could be a thing looking at uh, going forward. But, um, yeah, the quarterbacks, you know, Fields or Hertz is a rushing quarterback. You know, finds the end zone on the on the ground and as well as in the air. Um, are you looking for a guy that has the floor of the rushing or the guy who can go off for five touchdowns like Burrow? It is interesting because Jalen Hurts, especially this season, has been what every fantasy football player wants to have at quarterback. There's just something. It's kind of what Fields has flashed a little bit, but Hurts is able to excuse me, keep up with the passing end of it as well. Now, Burrow has put together a tremendously, tremendously consistent season for a guy who offers some rushing. I mean, this guy's no slouch. He has four rushing touchdowns on the year. Um, but he's not kind of the prolific runner, the the home run hitter that a Jalen Hurts would offer you. But as I look and scan through, I see the lowest score on the year for Burrow is a 13 so far and the lowest on the year for Hertz is a 16 so you know of the floors there that makes sense Hertz just a little bit better the interesting thing to note is that the last time Burrow met Pittsburgh which he will do this week was week one where he threw four interceptions fumbled the ball and was sacked I think seven times in the game and with all that being said he finished with 18 fantasy points in the game 340 yards, two passing touchdowns, and 47 rushing yards. So, and what's actually also interesting about that is that that was the last time T.J. Watt had played for the Steelers until this past week against New Orleans when Watt returned to action. I don't have his numbers. I don't know how much he played um, in that game, but we know Watt is kind of the X factor of that Pittsburgh defense. But we've seen Burrow can play against Pittsburgh, right? He knows Pittsburgh well. On the flip side, Hurts plays Indianapolis, now, I don't have Hertz's stat page pulled up, but I can hazard the guess that he's maybe played Indianapolis once in his career, if at all. Just the way those schedules tend to come around. It's out of conference and, you know, no real particular reason why you'd book that game in primetime Indianapolis and Philly. So you look and it's hard to give the edge. I, I like Hertz as the more consistent player, which I think we've talked about as a formula that you'd, that you'd like to have. But there's also that familiarity that Burrow has with the Pittsburgh defense. And he threw four interceptions, Jacob, and got 18 points. I can't get Tom Brady (laughs) to get 15 fantasy points with no interceptions. We're talking about a guy who is essentially, with no interceptions, a um, sorry, 26 fantasy point player for the game. 
So it's not like for in if people remember week one, what the hype was was Cincinnati's a shit. They're fucking awful. They just got beat by the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're the worst ever. So if we imagine that as being the worst case scenario, which granted that wasn't the lowest fantasy point game for Burrow, but if we're imagining that as the worst case scenario for Cincy, he still delivered consistently. Now his worst game was against Cleveland. So, but he's coming out of a bye. So, you know, Jacob, honestly, I, I like that, that matchup a lot. I think it's good that you highlight it because when I look at the stat pages for these guys, they're really similar despite being kind of different. I mean, Hertz wins in rushing, but I think it's closer than I might have expected when I looked at the two stat pages. Um, the touchdown production has been really great for Hertz, but as I look, the rushing efficiency doesn't blow me out of the water for Hertz. Um, he, he's really just kind of a pedestrian rusher in terms of efficiency, but he finds the end zone often enough. But he also has been extremely efficient finding the end zone through the air, despite not posting the greatest passing numbers. His completion percentages check out, but the yardage isn't going to kill you. Burrow has been able to kind of deliver as more of a prolific passer with decent touchdown production, but is more likely to turn it over. And again, Jacob, we're talking about the final two gauntlet guys. A couple interceptions could make the difference in this game. A minus two or a minus four could make a big difference. So, you know, I think if I had to lean one way in the quarterback battle, I might have to go Hurts just because he turns over the ball a little bit less. But Burrow plays the more familiar opponent in Pittsburgh. I think those guys are about as even as you could get. Yeah, it's going to, that could be a a huge factor whose quarterback goes off for more. But yeah, I, to kind of wrap it up, I just have that terrifying fear that Kelsey goes for 40 on Sunday night and just kills me. But yeah, it, it's going to be good, and I'm excited for it. I'm hoping to uh, reclaim it, the the gauntlet trophy. Uh, Scott's been uh, able to hold that for a while. Uh, and then Jack can win it for a second time too. So we're not going to have a new winner this year. It is interesting that that – Travis Kelsey does go on last and granted you do a butker as well so that's not as if you're not getting any fantasy points but it essentially has already put you in the spot Jacob where there's really almost no lead that'll be safe heading into Sunday Night Football unless you're just astronomically 160 point week and Jack's had 100 even then you might flinch for a second if Kelsey grabs a couple first quarter (laughs) touchdowns Um, we've seen uh, I don't remember the specific numbers but I know Mark Andrews last year had that uh, heroic performance against the Colts for Scott um so that does suck you know i always when i you know have my fantasy football and upset if it works out that way you can't force it obviously but having kind of that last laugh having the prime time guy to ice it um can be a good feeling it's certainly better to be in that position to be on the other side and hoping that this guy doesn't catch it catch up to you rather it's like the people that bet unders and i know if you're a serial gambler you're gonna have to bet unders at some point but it's a horrible way to watch a football game because you're basically cheering for nothing to happen the whole game which is what happens when you have to face travis kelsey in sunday night football you just hope that that guy just somehow doesn't catch anything and then he's going to get targeted 20 times and get his fantasy points you just hope that you have a substantial lead um to get you by but ultimately jacob to wrap it up i think it looks like a really intriguing um final matchup for the gauntlet i know in an ideal world, Jack would have Matt Calf at his disposal, and this would be a little more tit-for-tat. But still, the lineups are very close, and we've seen Paris Campbell can do special stuff, so it's not as though Jack is completely undermanned. But could make the difference if we reflect on this a week from now. Absolutely. But uh, you want to get into our top three? Sure. I know you, you've uh, 
pulled an off-the-cuff top three for us. We don't have a guess with this, unfortunately, this week. And our top three last week got messed up. So we're going to, when Jack comes back on, we're going to have to hit it in full stride because, you know, this is this is probably the best segment on the show. So what do you got for us this week, Jacob? Uh, just a, a classic one, top three potato products. Um, everybody likes potatoes, you know, always a great side dish, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm ready to roll with that. You want to kick us off with your number three? Yeah, uh, my number three, um, we're going to come in, uh, you know, a little off the ball, um, kind of a wild card out there in the uh, potato world, but vodka, we're going to do vodka with that, you know, um, he's sneaky, he, uh, you know, it's a good drink to mix with, uh, you know, Sprite, uh, orange juice, all that stuff, um, so I'm going to go with vodka in my number three spot. Wow, that is, that's definitely not an expected number three. Um for my number three, it's also gonna it's also gonna be like a bit of an outlier in terms of the potato industry. These isn't like a, a no doubter, of course that is. But uh, I'm gonna have to go with potato skins. I mean, it kind of makes for Ooh. a great like a great Sunday tailgate type food. It's a good snack, easy to eat. You can kind of flavor it up whatever way you want. You get the cheese, you get the bacon on there, you get some sour cream, what have you, whatever type of stuff you like. You know, basically, Jacob, how can you mask the potato skin? with as much shit as you can pile on top of that thing as possible. That's that's where I think I'd land at number three. What do you got? I feel like we're doing I feel like we're doing the power rankings. What do you got at number two? I potato skin's a great pick there. I didn't Thank even you. think about them. That is a great appetizer. I haven't had a potato skin in a while. I gotta I gotta go I gotta go uh hit up uh Fridays and get one of their potato skins. But uh my number two, we're just gonna go with the classic. Uh we're just gonna go with some mashed potatoes. Uh, delicious, you know, a garlic mash, a red skin mashed potato, you, you know, no, it's just perfect. You know, a lot of butter in there, salt and pepper it up. Mashed potatoes are just goaded. It's the best uh, Thanksgiving. It's the best part of Thanksgiving. So um, it's just a, it's an overall classic and it, it, you can never go wrong with it. No, you're right. And mashed potatoes is, if we were to say like, what is like the icon of the potato product industry? I think it has to be mashed potatoes. I mean, that's, has to be you know around the longest you know they weren't eating potato skins with well they might have been in some sense but not with the cheese and the bacon and whatever back back in the day but i assume they've been making mashed potatoes for quite a while and still after all this time they're absolutely excellent a classic if there ever was one for my number two spot jacob i'm gonna go with uh hash browns hash browns is my number Ooh. two not i Good see one. here i actually pulled up a website it's top 10 just because i like having it for reference they have hash browns from mcdonald's listed now don't kill me but i actually think mcdonald's hash browns are not very good um, i think they're trash i am right there with you man i think they're the most overrated hash brown on the game i'm more so picturing those hash browns that you'd get at like a breakfast type diner that oh, you yeah. get with your scrambled mm -hmm. eggs or whatever type eggs you like to get that's the hash brown for me but oh yeah yeah i don't mcdonald's hash browns i don't just doesn't do it for me so what do you got at number one jacob the, the best singular uh, potato product. Have you had the D Dunkin' Donuts hash browns? No, actually, I haven't. Oh, they're like little mini ones. They, they're they like a dollar or something like that from Dunkin' Donuts, but they only give you like five. They're little small things, but they're so good. They like, um, I don't know if you're a big coffee drinker or not. Um, I'm not. I used to just go get a breakfast sandwich and mm -hmm. uh, hash browns from there because we had one on campus uh, at BG that we could use uh our uh our money on our uh 
falcon dollars as we called them um so it was always good to get grab some hash browns from there but yeah solid um you should try them if you ever get the chance it definitely sounds pretty enticing i think i'm gonna have to give those a shot yeah, um, but my number one, I'm just going to go with the classic, you know, I got some honorable mentions <laughs> Naturally. that come up on, but um, it's a French fry. You, you just can't go wrong with the French fry, you know, greatest side dish of all. This is the staple of the fast food industry. If they, if you don't have good fries, then, you know, you, you're kind of relegated to a little lower. That's my biggest gripe with Chick-fil-A is that their fries are actually trash, but, you know, uh, I'm kind of kind of cheat with this, you know, the curly... You got the waffle, you got the regular, you got the steak cut, crinkle cut. You got fries are just delicious. You know, you dip them in a little ketchup, maybe a little ketchup mayo mix. That's always good. Fries are, fries are delicious. That's actually, I'm just going to jump in here, Jacob, because for my number one, I'm going to have to go with French fries as well. But I think we can expand yeah. upon this a little bit. We don't necessarily have to do our top top chains because that it might even be its own um, top three in its own right. But I think what's more of an important question, because I you mentioned ketchup, what is the what's the best dipping sauce or condiment or what have you for fries? Or does it vary based on the type of fry, depending on the I location? I think it varies. I think if you go to like a restaurant and you order loaded fries, there's nothing better than ranch dressing with that. I dip my fries. I dip my fries in ranch like anytime. If I go to uh, Wendy's, I use some some of the ranch on my fries um so i i guess i ordered ranch with mine the most so i'm gonna go with that but i do love uh, a little ketchup mayo mix a little uh, special sauce it's always good very interesting see for me i'm kind of through and through i'm a buffalo sauce kind of guy buffalo sauce and fries to me just like i'm like you said like i wouldn't do it with the curly fry but just about any other kind of fry buffalo sauce is is just i don't i kind of put buffalo sauce in everything this is kind of my preferred sauce mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't i'm kind of over ketchup i don't really do ranching i used to be a big pizza and ranch guy i don't really do that anymore i'm pretty much just kind of a buffalo sauce guy and it goes absolutely perfect um with some french fries yeah um yeah, I'm, I'm not the biggest buffalo sauce as a dipping sauce. I love it when it's on something. I'll always uh, enjoy one of that, like a little buffalo chicken sandwich or anything like that. Um, but, you know, my go-to sauce is ranch. Like, I always have to have ranch in the house because I, I do do ranch and pizza every time. Like, especially leftover pizza, I feel like I can't eat leftover <laughs> pizza without ranch. Do you get, like, the big jumbo size ranch or do you just get a regular ranch? I just get the regular one because Lauren doesn't really uh eat ranch um so you know i, I she actually like has bad. somewhat of a refined palate no she does not <laughs> ranch ranch is the killer of all taste yeah, ranch delicious complete no ranch tastes great but it's amazing at completely masking the taste of whatever it is you're putting it on you don't taste it anymore it's like when people put it on salad they put it on salad so they don't have to taste the lettuce anymore it just completely see, but that's why buffalo is so great because buffalo kind of perfectly complements. You get everything's everything's good. Like you're able to taste the buffalo, but it doesn't overpower. Ranch just completely smothers whatever was originally left there. A blind taste test, Jacob. You might not even know what half the foods you were eating if they were dipped in ranch actually are because you just can't. Well, texture would give it away a lot, but yeah, which is a heck of a caveat to have when you're talking about. See. Is a condiment or a dipping sauce supposed to complement or mask the original food? Yeah, 
Yeah, you're making good points, but I love ranch so much that like it's, it's really just I use like French fries and stuff as a vessel for for ranch dressing, <laughs> which is that's fair. It's that's the whole different. How do you flip? I need something for my ranch versus I need something for yeah, my, yeah. my chicken tender mm-hmm. or my pizza or my whatever it is. So yeah, no, that that's actually very fair. I hadn't thought of it that way um, initially. Um, but yeah, honorable mention: uh, twice baked potatoes. Those go crazy. Mm-hmm. I don't have them enough. They're kind of like a, a Christmas time or like a special occasion type of a potato product. So I didn't give it the nod to be a top three because, you know, I'm just eating French fries at least once a week, I feel like. Um, and then mashed potatoes are always a go-to. Like even like the store-bought Bob Evan ones, those are so fucking good. Um, uh, tater tots are always good they're kind of a little wild card they come out of left field and they're 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 solid some loaded tater tots if you could just throw cheese and bacon on on a potato it, it just elevates it so much um what else we got there? you got some you got an honorable mention um see the honorable mentions are kind of you kind of have that market cornered i can't i struggle sometimes just to come up with a top three but that's good Tw- twice baked potato is actually excellent especially go out to like a proper restaurant and get them done really well fuck yeah dude it's kind of gets back to the argument again like how much can you actually mask that kind of the base of that potato with just all this other flavorful stuff because in the heart of hearts potatoes by themselves they need a little help to get some actual flavor they're kind of a bland agreed agreed kind of a bland mushy product to begin with um another honorable mention scalp potatoes those are always good some cheesy scalp mm-hmm. potatoes um t- uh, potatoes for a crowd those are always good for a little Which potluck one? or potatoes for a crowd they're the they're like the the cube potatoes and mm-hmm. like cream of mushroom and then some people put chips or like wheaties on top of it yeah all right i dig that those, those are always gas um but yeah potatoes are goaded um I don't know. I if somebody puts uh, any potato dish in front of me, it's going to be hard for me to turn it down. They, it's definitely like a, sta- a staple of the diet. I don't know where we would be exactly without potatoes, but it would be kind of a sad existence if we didn't have them. And we've also gotten pretty creative. I mean, we look at the variety and all the stuff that we listed. You can do some incredible. It's kind of like that idea of like you know, if you can only take one food with you to a deserted island type thing, you'd want to pick something with some like great variety. Potato products mm-hmm. would certainly. Um, classify. Totally agree there. Um, I did want to shout out Bowling Green football taking down Toledo Rockets last night. Uh, last uh, second touchdown. Um, you know, BG's bowl eligible for the first time in like ten years, so that's exciting. Um, but yeah, uh, I think we could get into these power rankings. All right, Jacob, would you like to kick us off with number twelve? Yeah, I'll, I'll kick us off there. Uh, coming in at number 12 is Bryce. Bryce has had an un, uh, a very poor season to start this off and just hasn't been able to cl- uh, <laughs> gel his team together. He was at 11. <laughs> I just like that concept of it started off bad and then it never really got any better, but I feel that. <laughs> uh, number 11, it's obviously another. Once you get to this part of the season, the power rankings, unfortunately, the guys at the bottom, it's just kind of been a tough year for you. Uh, I'm not exempt. You'll see I'm coming up shortly, but uh, Nutter's going to take the number 11 spot this week. Who's number 10? 
Uh, coming in at 10 is the guy who we had on the podcast last week and uh, couldn't figure out how to record a file. So he's coming in at number 10. It's Aiden. He did drop the ball on that. Absolutely. At number nine, breaks my heart to say it, but I'm, I'm still at number nine. I don't know what I was at last week, but I haven't been highly ranked for quite a while because my team sucks. But uh, so if you have a sucky team, you know, getting number nine could be worse. Who's number eight? Coming in at number eight, uh, it's Brian. He's uh, had an up-and-down season. You know, John Taylor looked good this week, so hopefully he could build it and bring it uh, all together as he pushes towards the playoffs. Who's at seven? At number seven, picking up a little bit of steam, it's Cade, and he's trying to get in, get back into the playoff picture. Justin Fields seems like he might be an important cog in that machine. Who's at number, uh, I'm sorry, who's at number six? Coming in at number six, it's Joe. He's been kind of a quiet team, but he's got solid players in uh, Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, and he's sitting in the playoffs right now. So he's at number six. Who's at number five? At number five, another guy who's had a pretty a pretty steady season throughout, always been ranked up in the top half of these power rankings. Uh, Jake. Jake's an old number five spot this week. Who's number four? Coming in at number four, he kind of tripped up here in the last couple weeks, but he came back with a vengeance. It's Stino. Stino's at number four. Who's at three? And number three, it's going to be Scott this week. You know, he, he caught fire the last couple of weeks, cooled down just a little bit this week, but he remains firmly in the playoff picture. He'll take the number three spot this week. Who's number two? Coming in at number two, it's the guy who was leading the league at the beginning of the year, but he stumbled, but he came back firing this week. It's Jack. Jack's at number two. Who's at number one? At number one, it's going to be you, Jacob. You kind of picked up where Jack left off. You've hit a hot streak, best record in the league, and... uh showing up to the gauntlet showdown, the final matchup. So this week, number one, uh, that's kind of an easy number one for you. This week, Jacob, it's got to feel good after 10 weeks. That's the thing. You're number one after like week three. It's like, yeah, that's cool. But if you get to be number one after week 10, it means that you're pretty firmly in the thick of it and your team is is set up to compete. Um, but with that being said, Jacob, any final comments on the power rankings before we wrap up this week 10 breakdown? No, I'm just excited to see where these playoffs finish up at. I think we got four weeks left um, to kind of round this out. Uh, so definitely could shake up uh, as we come down to the end of it. But the gauntlet's going to be exciting. Uh, after that, we'll kind of cool down, but um, we're still going to be pushing for the playoffs. So um, it's been a great start, and I'm excited to see how it goes. Absolutely. Uh, as always, boys, remember, get your waiver wire uh opportunity i was gonna say opportunities actions done uh we got a thursday night football game coming up this week eight o'clock it's gonna be the titans and the packers an interesting one for sure should have a lot of fantasy viable options going in that one the packers have suddenly re-emerged um after a come from behind win against the dallas cowboys um yeah week 11 it's gonna be a a really big week jacob we're gonna have a lot to break down next week and that playoff picture is just gonna get a little more clear so make sure everybody gets their lineup set and um We'll see you next week, boys. See you boys next week.